0: Welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Shippel,
1: and that's Steve Jones.
0: And today on the podcast, we have a really fun episode. I'll just start out by saying that uh, because I uh, I like the bands that we have on. There's some nostalgia aspect here, Jens. Uh, there's you know there, there's a lot of great vibes that are going to come from the artists that we have on the podcast today.
1: Cool, yeah. And um, I'm a, I've got to be honest with you, though, Steve. You know, I, I hear your excitement and everything. I just, I'm a little bit worried about this episode because we didn't really get off to a good start when we tried to record it yesterday.
0: No, no, I would say we, we didn't. And uh, do you want to expand upon why that happened? Uh,
1: no, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> so totally my fault, totally my fault. But we had this, uh, we were set up to record you um, we were gonna come over to my place. We were gonna uh, cook some food, which we'll talk about later, and we we're gonna record a pod outside. It started raining. But uh, you were you were on your way over here, right? It was so yes. it was like an hour before I'm trying to remember what the hell happened. You had left. It takes an hour yeah. for, for you to commute to my place and for me to commute to your place, right? Yes. So in that during that hour I started feeling really queasy, like, what is going on with me right now? And um and uh you were out you had left already, and I think you were out getting beer or whatever.
0: I did get beer, yes. I did did get
1: beer. I did did get beer and I was just feeling sicker and sicker and sicker. I thought, what is going on? Like I haven't eaten anything strange, you know, I don't have the flu or anything. Why am I feeling so sick? And within maybe twenty minutes. Like shortly after I texted you, like Steve, I feel really sick. I think I need to go lie down or something. I felt like, oh my god, I think I'm gonna puke. Wow. But but it was one of those. It was, you know, anyone who's ever had to vomit can probably relate to this, to this moment in time, or you or you feel so, where you feel so sick. But you know that throwing up is going to make you feel a lot better. Yeah. But you don't want to throw up because it's hard. It's 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 not hard, but it's what's the word I'm looking for? It's um it's really uncomfortable to induce vomiting in yourself, right? Like stick your finger down your throat or whatever you got to do to puke. And I and there's so many people out there, me included, who just avoid that experience and will just either suffer through the pain or we'll just run to the bathroom or wherever once the body decides to vomit, right?
0: Not a joyous experience. Gotcha. Yes. Not
1: a joyous experience. And some people are the, other, are the opposite. They'll be like, oh my God, I think I'm just going to puke and then I'll feel better. And they go and they, they're, they're like professional purgers.
0: There are those out there in the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They do it like every day. It's like, sure. <laughs> And, uh, but for me, I am the other, I'm the other type of person, but I knew Steve's got to get here. I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to like ruin the day, but I just felt so bad. And then it was one of those times where all of a sudden my body, body said, you know what? I don't know what you did to me, but I'm going to like puke and you have a, a second and a half to get someplace so that you can vomit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like running to the bathroom and it was like, Whoa! I was in there for a good five minutes. And then, um, and then I did feel better, but it took me a good six or seven hours to recover from that. I mean, I felt like a truck had run over me Oof. <laughs> completely yeah. random. Like, I don't get it. I eat the same stuff that my wife ate and she didn't get sick.
0: Did you did you wish her getting sick just so you could explain it better?
1: Or, you know? <laughs> just so, yeah. Just so she'd be more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was uh, she was really understanding. She was great. She was like, "Oh my God, you want me to come home early
0: and all this stuff." And, and You're like, "Yes, oh, yes, come take care of me."
1: Uh huh. I know puking is no fun. It's been a long time since I've had to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that,
2: the deal is, dude. But anyway, that,
1: apologies. I felt really bad about it, uh, but. I was able to recover and um luckily we had time we did that we did to record again
0: yes <laughs> and and so from puke to telling to telling who we have on the podcast today um we have an artist named frank Iero, okay and he uh i interviewed him at the warfield in san francisco uh when he opened up for taking back sunday so frank Iero uh was in a band called my chemical romance uh and um and i'd actually interviewed my chemical romance years ago we'll talk about that later in the podcast uh but Uh, but they opened up for Taking Back Sunday, who's a band uh, I've interviewed a, a handful of times. And, uh, and Taking Back Sunday was doing the 20th anniversary of their Tell All Your Friends, uh, tour, the Tell All Your Friends album that is... Uh, it was their debut album and uh, it was the, um, the entryway of me getting into not only them but it paved the way for uh, a lot of my music tastes and, um, and I think it was the first concert that I went to with uh, my body Joe um, was Taking Back Sunday in the Used years ago and so there's a lot of nostalgia there with that album um, because uh, that album was just pivotal to my youth really and, uh, and they played it in its entirety and then, wow. and then the second um, uh, half of the show, they were playing um, another album in its entirety, either their second album, uh, "Where You Want to Be," or their third album, "Louder Now." And they, uh, it was de- uh, decided by the flip of a coin, and uh, which, uh, whichever side showed up was the album that they were p- were playing. Uh, the and the uh, the the alternate album would be played the following night. They did two nights in uh, in each city. Oh. So right now they're in That's Sacramento, and cool. uh, uh-huh. doing a couple of shows in Sacramento, and they're going to do the coin flip again uh, tonight um, at, at that show. So um, a lot of Take Mac Sunday fans are, are fans of where you want to be and not as much fans of Louder Now, but they did end up playing Louder Now. <laughs> Uh and,
1: and they do that? They decide that by a flip of a coin?
0: Yes. And then on the spot and then play the, the whole album uh from there. But it, but at both shows they played Tell All Your Friends, their their debut album, which which everybody loves. It's a great mm-hmm. album. So uh so awesome. And uh and so it was really cool to get to see that album live. Um mm-hmm. louder now, eh, not as not as amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: But and uh, well that must have brought back a lot of memories for you.
0: It did. It totally did. Yeah, and uh, and honestly, so I I made two trips to the city in one day. Uh, you know, once. Yeah, yeah. I went to, I went to the venue twice. From
1: wait from your house. Yes, um, all the way to the city and back twice.
0: Yeah. Well, I only drove the the first one, but I dropped off the kids at their mom's house and then uh, and then went because the interview was at two thirty in the afternoon, and I didn't want to stay in San Francisco for six hours. And uh, you know, I don't like driving home late at night. You know, myself. It's, that's not any fun, so, um, uh-huh. uh, so Joe and his wife and uh, his wife's good friend uh, were all going to the show, and it was last minute that I ended up getting this interview set up, and so I mm-hmm. asked if I, you know I could tag along. They were cool with it. And so I came back. We had some uh, stuff to do pr- to prepare for our fishing trip that we were planning on going on also. Um, you know so it made sense to come back and, uh, and get that stuff done and then go to the show. so I went to the Warfield twice. (laughs) In one day, that is
1: crazy. I don't think I even know there that. was enough time during the day for you to go there twice. It was a, it was a packed day, traffic and all
0: that. It was a packed day, dude. But uh, but talking about Frank Iero, uh, like the interview with him was was really really solid. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that in in a little bit. But what a great conversation! Um, really good to um, to s- circle back with him uh, and learn about his uh, band, uh, the Future Violence. Uh, excuse me, the future violets and um, and kind of what he's been um, working on with his upcoming album that's coming out in, uh, at the end of May also and uh, and a lot of fun stuff around there. So, so we'll get back to that. But you in our last podcast a couple weeks ago, we've we've had a couple weeks off. You teased about um, a crabbing story after I shared my crabbing story.
1: I did, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because i would completely forgotten about that story. What do you got? I'm going to pause for a second because I keep on looking at your face and it's like there's something different about you and I thought it was your hair, uh-huh. which I think is different, but you've got different glasses on.
0: I do have different glasses on. That is correct. Yes. So Those aren't the same glasses you no. had
1: last time I saw you.
0: No, I got them yesterday. So they're,
1: they're a different style.
0: They're a different style.
1: Yes. See, that's why that's why they're popping out.
0: Okay, thank you for noticing. I, I haven't got received a compliment just that they're different. So uh, I. I re- How long
1: have we been on the air now?
0: <laughs> it took, it half an hour to notice that. <laughs> I know, right? It took you a little while, but you anyway, you they look, they look good, and, and it's good that you got
1: those uh, because it's reminding me that I need to go to my appointment and get some new glasses. I've been wearing broken glasses for like six months.
0: You think you sh- you should really get some new ones. So it's it sounds yeah. like it's time.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm like the guy who never notices anything I had a girlfriend in college who wore glasses just for fun because she's a nerd but they didn't have any lenses in them and it took me like weeks to figure that out
0: that like, they didn't have, have lenses?
1: lenses in your glasses she's like oh my god you're the first person that's ever noticed that
0: I mean so she was a girlfriend <laughs> like, and you didn't notice that she didn't have lenses? well no. she didn't wear them every day oh okay when she wore them and and they were just frames never got close to her face or anything you just kind of kept your distance yeah
1: I guess I don't know. know Things to focus on. Uh Anyway, anyway, let me tell you about my story. So you were talking about crabbing. You had had this great experience where you went out and tried to catch some crabs, right?
0: I didn't try. I did catch uh, two crabs. Yes, did catch them. So you went out
1: and you made the attempt, and you came back successful. I did. I did indeed. And this is a really interesting. This is really interesting timing. And well, maybe not. Maybe there's only a few weeks in crabbing season or something. But that story was particularly relevant uh, to me because we had some friends that uh, were coming over in the evening uh, to cook crab. Um, And the reason they were cooking crab is because that morning they had booked a tour or like a little, not a tour, but one of these like, I don't know, Groupon things where it's like, yeah, I want to do this. You know, for two hundred bucks or whatever, and then you do it for like four hours. One okay. of these adventure things, sure. and it was all about crabbing. So they went. Um, these two guys, friends of ours, they went to, uh, to uh, Chrissy Fields. Like there, there's that. Okay. There's that place right underneath the um, Golden go bridge. bridge.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, or like a bookstore and whatever. They're whatever they over there. Yeah. And you, you go crabbing off the pier, right? And um, and so they did this. And they were beginners, you know, uh they've never done this before. Um and they had a you know a guide there that told them what to do, and they there were lots of other people there crabbing. Um they did see a few other people, you know, catch some catch some things. Um, you know, and they were excited and it's like, yay, we're doing something new, this is fun. So then in the evening, right, they come over yeah. and they have these four just beautiful crabs. And we're like, no way! Those are beautiful. You guys caught these. Yeah. They're amazing. These are amazing. So they, so they, uh, you know, they they were literally alive in the house. Mm-hmm. And then they, I don't know. I was working. I don't know exactly what happened. Boiled They're them. actually they, saw the live crabs in the house, but there were live crabs. I saw pictures. Okay. Somehow they, you know. They boiled them. Died and got boiled and then okay. they ate them. And they mm. were absolutely delicious. And we couldn't believe their luck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and I kept on asking questions about it. Like, yeah. these are amazing crabs. How did you, like, what was your secret? How did you catch these big crabs? And then they started getting really weird about it. Okay, okay. The more specific we were getting, the weirder they got about it. It's like, well, you know, well, we had our fishing rod and crab thing and, our crab and uh, they thing. just yeah. started yeah. busting out laughing because they just couldn't keep the secret anymore oh uh, so they didn't catch them they didn't catch a single thing like almost everybody around them was uh-huh. catching stuff yeah but for some reason they didn't catch any no they caught one little crab but it was they couldn't the wrong keep it. kind of crab or, yeah, yeah it
0: was a, uh, a rock crab or something yeah it was a dungeness, or i don't know
1: one of those crabs you can't keep okay and um, and uh, so what they had done, they were so they were like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? We've got these plans. We're supposed to make you know dinner for our friends, and we don't even have any crabs. What the fuck? Yeah. So they go to Chinatown and they buy four crabs at the Chinatown store in San Francisco. Oh my gosh! They really? Drive to our place and make up this big story about how they caught these crabs.
0: And and they were gonna keep to it
1: too. They they were gonna, yeah. They weren't gonna say a damn thing. They're fucking they liars. They weren't gonna say yeah. a damn thing until like the next day. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and they they showed us the photos of of um, you know this little hole in the wall, um, uh, this little hole in the wall you know place in Chinatown where they sell fresh seafood, which is probably caught in the bay earlier that day, or maybe where you guys were in bodega bay, Benega bay yeah. i don't know where they get there yeah i don't know where they get the crabs but anyway so they were taking they took pictures of the tanks and the crabs and the receipt and everything and it was uh-huh. just hilarious they were showing it to us oh, but i mean they had they had a spool i've never been crabbing before i didn't know yeah i mean I, I was impressed i thought well that's really really lucky that you guys got these beautiful four yeah. <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of weird beginner's luck but hey i've had beginner's luck everybody's had beginner's luck sure you know it happens to you once and then it never happens to you again and then you give up
0: yeah, it's like like my <laughs> like my duck hunting season. I got you. Yeah. Like your duck hunting
1: season. I yeah. know. <laughs> right. I know. So anyway, I kudos to anyone who can pull off practical jokes like that. I mean, I uh, we had a great time with it. It was funny. Yeah. Funny. hell. So.
0: Oh well, that's that's good times. That's good times. Um, so. <laughs> good times. Delicious crab, and I gotta tell you, fresh crab tastes
1: freaking amazing. Oh
0: yeah. No, it was it was Absolutely really good. Amazing. It was really good. Yeah. I find it to be a lot of work to. To crack everything and Clinton get in there, and by the it end is. I'm just exhausted just by cracking, continually cracking each each piece and
1: digging and and all of that. Yeah, but yeah. I think a lot of people share that experience. You know, they they feel like crab is delicious, um, but you burn as many calories trying to get to the damn meat yeah. as you do, you know, getting the calories from eating the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's not something you can do when you're hungry. You know.
0: Yeah, exactly. So from one water sport to another, um, like I mentioned, I, uh, I went, uh, fishing for the first time actually this, uh, past weekend and, um, yeah, I'd never been fishing. I didn't, my dad never taught me any of that stuff growing up. Uh-huh. I was sheltered. You never had you know, like
1: your little kid, kiddo uh, pole and you were down at the not dock, you not know, really bullheads or whatever.
0: I mean, I mean, I might have been like you know, I caught a catfish or something in Florida when we were visiting family or something uh-huh. when I was a kid. But really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, uh, no, I've never been, um, been fishing. We'll just say that, right? And okay. especially as an adult, I've never done it. So, um, mm-hmm. but I went out with uh, a buddy, John, um, for uh, crappie uh, and. Um, Which John is
1: this? Is this, this is, like concert John, or is this, this hunting is not, John? This is
0: hunting John. So hunting John. Okay. I know okay. I have a couple of John friends.
1: <laughs> you got a couple of John. I got to keep in, these people straight. Including okay. yours, so John the hunting people, the yes. hunting hunting John. Hunting John does more than just he does hunt ducks. He doesn't he does stop in the off season
0: okay. or anything like that. Yeah. No. Um, so does he shoot them or like? Uh, no, no, he he doesn't. He uses a fishing pole to to catch fish. He his does. Okay. He, so does. Has so he has
1: different equipment for. Uh-huh. The whole fishing
0: thing yeah and so uh joe and i were gonna go and joe's joe hasn't done a lot of fishing either and so he got a crappie pole he he was gonna bring his family also his wife and boy and uh and we're all gonna go out they were gonna come later because the night before we had gone to the concert and there was no way his wife was getting up early to um to go crappie fishing and i you know and john wanted me up there at six thirty in the morning right I can do that. Uh, I only got like two hours of sleep, it, you know it sucked but um but I can make that happen right um and so um so we so I went up there, uh, found out a little bit later Joe wasn't gonna be able to make it, uh but you know, I was out with John and his buddy and uh and so John caught a couple of crappie uh i um, I had actually hooked a crappie, but it came off because I didn't pull it hard enough. I didn't, I didn't snag it, you know, um,
1: right. but, but it, it I didn't get, the hook didn't get on the, on the lip,
0: but it bit my bait. And then, um, we, we went a little further, uh, down the lake and, um, John was catching like uh, big mouth and small mouth bass left and left and right and tossing them back in because those aren't really keeper fish. You know, it's more uh-huh. bass or more sporting fish uh, so for catch and release. And so he kept, you know, his three. He had uh, saved his three crappie fish uh, that he, that he caught, but tossed back all the big mouth. I mean, all the all the bass. And uh, and I hadn't caught anything, right? Uh, and, but I kept trying and I was learning a lot and having a good time, just being uh-huh. out and hanging and we're in our kayaks, So I was in my kayak for right. six, six, hours or something. And I told him when I needed to go. Uh, and, uh, and he said, okay, give me 15, 20 and I'll get you on a fish. Right. And so he mm-hmm. gave me his, uh, uh, fishing rod and, um, and then you know and told me exactly what to do uh, and mm-hmm. within 15 minutes I caught a, a big mouth bass which I so, showed you a picture of it's I mean it's about four inches tall it was nothing to write home about but uh, right. but, but it was my first fish so that's cool um, so it was a lot
1: of fun and uh, so while you guys were fishing you said you're in the kayak yes Um, you probably know more about fishing than I do at this point but the only fishing I've done has been as a kid, like off a dock. Mm-hmm. Like I cast the line and then I reel it in. Cast the line, and reel it in. Yeah. So when you um, when you guys are fishing, does the is somebody? I mean, is, does the kayak have to be moving in um, order to catch the fish, or you just hang out and throw you your line in and gently reel not, it in, or just let it?
0: Not necessarily. I mean, there's different strategy though. I mean, so we tried to aim, you know, uh, along the shore, you know, along the bank of the um of the lake, um and in shaded areas and that sort of thing. Um Is this
1: Berryessa or where did yeah, you
0: guys go? Yeah, up, up at Berryessa. And so um so we we aim for that. But but when but when uh, I caught mine, you know, uh we I just um I put out the um the line and i let myself drift right and left the Mm -hmm. line out longer than i had before and i let myself drift and the line follow and uh and then you know and then that's when i caught my my fish so there's different strategies to you know to it but uh but the amount of line you put out how you cast um i did get pretty good at casting the the line um and pretty accurate overall um Mm -hmm. with casting so so that was good um so uh yeah nice yeah so you're gonna do it again yeah yeah i might do it in a couple weeks actually we have a tentative date uh planned for uh for
1: going out again so that sounds um, like fun let you know how it goes yeah that's cool i remember you know i remember fishing there's that there's that moment of time where you feel you feel there's a nibble right like there's something at the end of the line and you've got to know exactly when to jerk the line to get the hook in the you know to get the hook in the lip yeah yeah exactly and 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 i think i was a bit traumatized as a kid because i wasn't perfect at that right away and the Mm -hmm. the the fish had swallowed the thing i had a i had a couple experiences where i had fish, you know at least partially swallow the um the hook hook. so when i do the yanking thing the the thing is stuck in its throat and then you can't really get it out very easily if at all yeah and i just i'm like oh my god i just fucked up this fish and I gotta throw it back and I was gonna choke and
0: die yeah yeah that's no good that's no
1: good um still bad what can you do well
0: good times what can you do exactly uh, yeah good times dude so so let's uh let's move on to the content of the podcast we i do also want to say that we uh that i'll i want to talk a little bit about the uh pixies and weezer show that um that, we, that i covered um last week and so we'll that play, was on a wednesday right i believe so yes and did you go to that show i did go to that show hence, hence i, I said I covered
1: <laughs> no
0: one else went to that show um, yeah i
1: think uh, tony and some other friends of ours uh went to that show too
0: uh, i went to it in sacramento so uh oh, oh it okay. may not have been a wednesday it may have been the tuesday the day before uh, to, yeah probably tuesday so. yeah they
1: were in the, i think uh in oakland the Oakland Arena. Yeah. yeah yeah i went to so Google, how was it? So.
0: um so um i'll tell you after we uh we talk about frank and uh and taking back sunday how's that sound so um, so we're gonna start off by playing a song uh from uh frank Ayero's set at the warfield and um we're gonna get into the interview uh and uh so we'll get that and then uh, also after that we'll um we'll play a song from uh from Taking Back Sunday's uh, set at the, the Warfield. So we'll package all that together and come back and, uh, and talk about Pixies and Weezer. How's that sound?
3: Sweet. All right, here it is. Hey, this is Frank Iero, and you're listening to Concert Pipeline. <laughs>
0: You've played here before, right? I have played here before,
3: yeah. 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 It's been a while, but I I, I have played here, yeah.
0: Back in the uh, My Chemical Romance days. Yeah, so I guess like,
3: geez, maybe 2010, maybe was the last time? So maybe like nine years ago?
0: Yeah.
3: I like that, you know. I like venues that have been around for so long, you know, like you you walk in and it's still the same. It's like, ah.
0: I, you know, I know. Carter and I were talking too. about it. You know, here it's like you know a lot's changed, but the the pea smell outside that sticks around. You
3: know, <laughs> yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Nothing there's definitely that. there's that story where we talk about how like the first time we rolled up here. And uh, we looked outside and, like, you know, like, the tendon like, right there. And, yeah. And Gerard, like, I remember, I think Gerard, like, walked out of the bus and someone was like, you better stay on that side of the street, motherfucker. I'll knock you out. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, I guess we're yeah. going to stay on the bus. You,
0: you see some stuff around here. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite Warfield moments was mm-hmm. I interviewed, I mean, this is like 14 years ago or 15 years ago or something, uh, Monine. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Kenny from Monine is something. Like, he got, I, I had this big banner that I got, uh-huh. that got the band uh, that I interviewed to sign. And, uh, and he took the banner. He got down to his underwear, took the banner, and you know, and like use it as like a cape running around. And there's there's cops all around. There's you know, I don't know, some sort they of were gang nuts. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you are some sort of crazy. That's awesome, I you think know. It, yeah, <laughs> I think it's called Canadian. I think that's it, what it's Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the Canadian. It. So I was like, this is
3: epic, you know. Uh, when he was what playing. a great dude! They were a great band, too, man. Are yeah. they still playing? I, I haven't heard much from them in yeah. a long time. Probably not. So I toured them a long time ago. Yeah, they were really, really fun though. They were really good kids.
0: What were some of the memorable tours that you did back in the
3: uh, way back was, in the day? Yeah. Uh, well, definitely there was a Monine tour. I think that might have been around the same time too. with Originally, uh, Full Effect we opened, everybody opened for them, and I think Midtown was on that tour as well. Um, let's see. Uh, for one of the first tours we ever did was uh, was with a band. Uh, called uh north star
0: okay it sounds familiar
3: yeah and then uh after that we did a couple of tours with hope's fall
0: okay um
3: early early on um under oath without yeah. they were like the biggest band at the time that we had toured with you know they 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 had a tour manager and and they like you know. They Knew that, like, if you called ahead, you could get like chips and salsa and stuff. We're like, What? Yeah, you can get like food, <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? They had the inn, yeah, yeah. Dude, so, like, they, they taught us a lot about touring, uh, early on. Um, toured with, with Piebald and, and the Ghost, uh, from Chicago. I loved that band, yeah. Oh um, man, the Ghost were they were unreal,
0: yeah. So, you spent um, a lot of time on the road. Obviously. Oh my god, obviously. yeah, obviously. That's yeah. you know, I've been
3: on the road, yeah. yeah. It's funny this past year, like, before this tour. Uh, I took some time off. You know, I'd been... We, me and my, my brother-in-law and my, my manager were in this, like, horrible car accident thing. Yeah. And uh, and we toured a little bit after that, but, it, like, our bodies were just fucked up. And it, mentally, too, it was, like, it was rough. So we wanted to take some time. And uh, I was like, you know what? I have never taken any time off. I'm going to yeah. do that. I'm yeah, like, I'm actually... You're a I'm work, actually, workaholic. Yeah, yeah I yeah. guess so. Like, you know, ever since, like... I started my first band at eleven. Like I started touring at like seventeen, yeah. and I never stopped. So I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna take some time off. I never, I don't know what that's like. Might as well try it, and and I did. Like I, I was off the road for about a year and like a month or a year and two months. And that's like longest I've ever gone without like playing a show. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. So what was that like? Like, I mean, it's just to be able to, were you able to relax and let yourself just to, you know, be with your family? And, yes. Yeah. And
3: no, yeah. you know, like there's, you have those moments of like, Oh shit. Am I ever going to do this again? Like, can do I know how to do this again? Kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And, and, and we had, and like, I, I had some time, I started to write, and I put this band together, and and so we had like writing sessions and stuff like that. And I knew that we were going to get back on the road. So we started to we booked this tour. Where we started to book things, and uh, I knew that like there was a, a, a start date looming. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that was like nerve wracking. Like even though I was off, I was like, I know at some point I'm going to do this again. Like that's scary because I don't know if I know how anymore. Like it was like a weird.
0: You day. get nervous going back on stage and everything. I did. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: And um, but it, what's funny is. There's, like, uh, there tends to be this tradition where um, we'll play, like, a small secret show, unannounced, and then uh, the first tour back is with Taken Back Sunday. Yeah. That's how it always goes. It's really strange. Like, the first... Nothing in between, yeah. Nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... uh, the first incarnation of this thing, the Frank Iron, the celebration, like the first tour was with Taking Back Sunday. We did like a one-off, a small one-off in New York City, and then we did a tour of Taking Back Sunday. Uh, we did, uh, we took some time off. Like we had that accident. Our first show back, uh, we played a small show in, in Jersey City, and then we went on tour with Taking Back Sunday. And yeah. then this one, we did a small, uh, unannounced show in, in New York City, and now we're here. We are went on, <laughs> on tour with Taking Back Sunday.
0: It's crazy. And so Taking Back Sunday is like family to you. Probably. Oh my god,
3: yeah. The, the, yeah. They're the best. Yeah. they are the best. You've,
0: you've toured with them before. I mean, you guys go way back. So
3: they're probably the band I've toured with the most.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so, so tell me how you know how's your approach with this tour with Taking Back Sunday as opposed to you know uh, the past and kind of your relationship with Adam and the crew. Ah oh,
3: man, they're just it's you know you you always pick up where you left off. Yeah. You know and and they're just such a fantastic band. I mean, you you know it's going to be a great show. You know it's going to there's not going to be like drama or fights or like you know, anything in the crowd going on like that, like it's, they're all, they're accepting uh, of, of different styles of music and, uh, you know, it it just, it feels like, it feels like family and and to do a new project and new band every time, like that's a nerve wracking thing to like have to get up on stage after you haven't been up there for a while. And uh, it's just, it's so nice to like, to be worried and then come into a venue and see them and be like, all right, cool. This is going to be okay. You know?
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, so you mentioned the accident a couple of times. And Mm -hmm. so for those that aren't familiar with the accident that you had, tell us a little bit about the accident and more so I'm kind of interested because you've, you've talked about that before, but more so interested in kind of how you got past that and what was going through your, your head, you know, in the the moments afterwards, you know, when you have kind of a near death experience like that.
3: It's yeah, it's strange, man. All right. So about, uh, two and a half years ago, uh, we were, uh, we're on tour in Australia. We, we flew into Sydney and, um, and we were supposed to be playing uh, in, in Sydney that night. It was like the last show tour or something like that. And um, we had a few press things we had to do. We, we drove down to uh, the Twitter offices. We were going to do like a live like uh, acoustic set. And we got out of our, our van we started to unpack uh, the, the van that we had there. And a city bus just crashed into us. And uh, I ended up underneath uh, in the wheel well. And my brother-in-law and my manager got like pinned and crushed in between the the van and, and the bus, and uh, you know we had we had to be rushed to the hospital, and we were in there in, in Sydney in the hospital for uh, two and a half weeks or something like that. Um, and it's still an ongoing process, um, but it's it's crazy. Like you know when you when you have that experience, when you you have this this you know near death experience, right? Yeah.
1: Um,
3: it's it's a life-altering event. Like it feels like you know it, it changes your DNA a, a bit. Sure. You know, and you're definitely not the same person anymore. Um, and it's weird. Like you, your you're, your psyche goes into like these these three different uh, uh, paths. One is, oh wow, thank God you know we're alive. It could have been so much worse. You know even if it was terrible, it could have been so much worse. And you know, like, you know, you want to uh, make every moment count because sure. you know it's precious. Um, the the second faction is. Um, Wow, all right. I I've seen how um, how abrupt and how fragile life is and I see how 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 violently it can be taken away in a split second and you kind of have seen like you get a chance to look death in the eyes and you know that eventually you're going to have to do that again. Yeah. So the fact that you you've seen it and almost tasted it and, and now the idea that all right, well that's happening again at some point you, and you're not going to know what's going to happen, but you know, you are going to meet it again is a daunting thought. Um, the third, which is a really, really the hardest one to get through is, uh, is the, the idea that you don't know if you've actually made it out <laughs> and, yeah. and you wonder if like where you are now is just this like manufactured state, you know, uh, uh, maybe this is the afterlife kind of thing. Is is you just you know your your psyche goes on and pretends like you're you're still here, and the reality that you're experiencing is actually just you know a figment of your imagination. So uh, that one is the hardest because no one can, can can tell you if you're you know if this is real or not. Um, what you do get to a point of is uh, is this weird cycle of kind of going through all of those, and just kind of accepting that whatever you have now is just what you're gonna have to get used to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And make the best of. So uh, yeah, it's um, it, it 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 really fucks with you. It changes you completely, and um and and you want to be able to say like, oh no, like I feel great now because of all these things that happen, but, you know, you don't always feel great. <laughs> you know, it's not like a movie, yeah. you know, and that's, uh, that's the most unfortunate part of it. <laughs> you know, you're constantly reminded too of the physical cause you still feel the effects of it. And, uh, and you look in the mirror and you can see like how your face has aged like 10 years just in that one moment. You know, it's kind of crazy.
0: Would you say you've gotten past most of it? Like you're, you've moved on. Or is there, is there some like lingering PTSD <sighs> stuff or?
3: Yeah, there's definitely, yeah. you know, there's, there's definitely in that residual, um, mm-hmm. I, it's one of those things where I don't know if you ever fully get past it or or get over it. Yeah. I think you just kind of deal, you yeah. know. And and of course, it's not um, you know an ideal situation, but you're going to have to deal with it. Otherwise, you know, what's the what's the alternative, you know? Yeah. Um. But you know, there's there's good things about about life that you get to still enjoy, and and whether it's reality or not, it's you know it's it's real to
0: you. Sure. And was there any of that experience that kind of made its way into your music? Oh my God, yeah. yeah. So how, how how did that change like for you? You know, ah uh, oh, man, it's hard to
3: put into words because like you're you're just a different person now. Like you know, like uh, the way that I, I process things, the way that I think about things is is different. You know, yeah. the way things the food tastes is different. Like everything is different. Um, so I don't know how to uh, be the person that I was. I just know how to be the person that I am now. Um, the the daunting thing I think about this record though is it's the first record that I've written since that uh, that accident and since those experiences so um I had this huge elephant in the room when writing and I was like oh man like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to address this because everything i I was able to to write or say like it didn't feel like it encompassed all the feelings that I had you know it didn't feel like I was like this this event is so huge and just so monumentous. Like
0: yeah.
1: I'm just
3: writing this little song. Like how does that, you know, it doesn't do it justice. And, and so I scrapped a bunch and it became this writer's block that I was having. And, um, and I think really what helped me get through it was uh, the fact that there's these musicians that I really wanted to work with for a very, very long time. Uh, one being Tucker Rule who, who plays drums on Thursday. And I met him in like, you know, maybe 1999, 2000. Uh, but I always knew I wanted to, to play in a band with him, you know. I uh, just thought he was a fantastic musician. So I love, I love the way that he he writes hooks and melodies on drums. You know, he's a very rhythmic player, but it also at the same time, like the way that he plays is like there's hooks to it. Like you, you remember those parts. You know, yeah, that's the shit that sticks in your head. I was like, oh man, what a great like the way his wavelength is so cool. The other person is uh, Matt Armstrong, who played bass in uh, uh, Murder by Death, and I met him around the same time, maybe around 2000, you know, 2001. We did some touring together and stuff. And uh, again, I was like, "Ah, dude, like that guy's on a different wavelength. I love where he's at like the way he thinks about bass. like he's a he's a true bass player, yeah. Know? And those are kind of rare. Like, usually it's like, oh, I'm a bass player. It's like, oh, yeah? It's like, well, I play guitar, but they needed a bass player. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> like yeah, yeah like exactly. He fell into it because yeah. the, the guitar spot was taken. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But,
3: but Matt is, is a true bass player, and that's, that's a rare find. That's a gem, you know? Yeah. And uh, again, I, I love the way he thought about music. Uh, Evan uh, Nestor, who is a fantastic, fantastic musician and a fantastic human being to be around, uh, he's my brother-in-law. I met him, he was like 15 and I just kind of like waited out to yeah. for him to be like of age so I could take him on tour. And eventually, you know, I brought him into the celebration and he was in the Patience as well. And I was like, well, I don't ever want to be in a band that doesn't have evidence. So he came into the Future Violence. And then the last person that filled out the, the void was, uh, was Kaylee Goldsworthy who I met maybe two years ago. Uh, she's a multi-instrumentalist. She plays keyboards and um, violin and, and uh, uh, guitar and she sings beautifully and and all of these people that I wanted, that would be like my dream team to make a record with yeah uh, ended up being free and all like, you know, contacted me and was like, yo, we should do something. I was like, fuck, like how am I going to pass this up because I can't get you know, I can't get a song out of like this experience. Like I have to get this together, you know? Sure. So I started to chip away and, and, and I think, you know, those stars aligning and, and me realizing that this was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like I, I, able to, I was able to get over that hurdle and break down that wall and the songs just started to come out.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so, so this is for barriers. This right? is for barriers. Yeah. 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 I mean, it sounds, sounds like you're talking, I mean, you're breaking down that wall, the barriers. That, that yeah. You that's got why I called the it theme
3: that. there. Yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy, man. And, you know, as a songwriter as an artistic person, like you you hit these walls, and I think that's why i, I like to have so many different projects because like sometimes you know if I hit like a, a hurdle or something like that I'll jump from like, all you right, know, well, this is not working. I'll jump to something else, yeah, and it opens a door here that kind of gets me over the thing the hump that I had over here, you know and um and that that's what these songs are. these are experiences uh, about maybe building up walls to protect yourself and tearing them down to try to you know to realize that like sometimes we we build these walls and these barriers to keep people out but we're really what we're doing is keeping ourselves out you know and, uh, and in order to, to kind of experience the wonderful things about life I think we have to do the things that scare the hell out of us yeah. you know and uh, it's about knocking those walls down basically yeah.
0: yeah and so okay we got the theme of the album so how did your approach to creating this album di- uh, differ you, we know who you wanted to uh, include in, in making it so f- yeah. for you how did you go into you know into it differently than, uh, than your past songs
3: well I think um You know, every every record has different musicians on, so that that's that's the easy answer. Is that you know you you never know how these musicians are going to react to one another. None of these people have been in a band together before. You know, even though I knew that uh, Tucker was a fantastic player and and Matt and Evan and Kaylee like on their own or in different bands, like I had no idea how that was going to work together. Like sometimes you know oil and water just doesn't mix.
2: Yeah,
3: Um, to see them all kind of react to one another and play off of the things that I was bringing into the mix was was amazing that was inspiring to me and i think that being in a room with such high caliber players made me better you know yeah Uh, that's a challenge it's scary you know i love that i love being uh frightened (laughs) i think a little bit you know uh it, it makes you rise to the occasion and uh and that, that, that was that was the, the process. Like I had these songs, I brought a few in, they worked really well. Evan brought in two songs that made the record, which was crazy. That was that was great, man. That that hadn't happened before. Yeah. Matt had a song that he brought in and that ended up being uh, the last song on the record, Twenty Four Carat Lush. Like like he had like he's like, I got this, you know this riff or this little progression so we started to work on that I wrote lyrics to those and and it was it felt more of like this collaborative band effort and that was that was a wonderful thing the other thing too was in the recording process uh, this was the first time I had a full band fleshed out so that we could record live to tape in a room you know and we did 17 songs in 15 working days recorded and mixed uh, which is uh, like breakneck that's a
0: lot yeah it's a lot
3: (laughs) yeah and uh 14 of which made the record so we we made a double record uh and that's the most that i've ever put uh put out at one time you know yeah and uh i feel really lucky to be able to say like you like you know i I feel lucky to be able to say this every time but like i really feel this like it this is maybe the record i'm the most proud of it's crazy like i feel like we really pushed the envelope and and what went above and beyond you know
0: yeah that's really awesome. It uh, is, yeah. And, <laughs> and so it—I mean—it sounds like you get a thrill off of kind of jumping into the deep end and uh, a little bit. And so I want to ask you about a couple of instances where you did that. Sure. Um, first, being uh, quitting college, yeah. and uh, and then you know really jumping into the deep end, yeah. go, going out on you know on tour. Tell tell me about that decision oh, for you and w-
3: what went into that. That was hard, man. Because I, you know, here's the thing. I, I didn't ever feel like. Uh, I wanted to, to to go to college, you know. I it was just something that I I did because I I promised my my dad and and my grandfather that I would I would I would do it and I would have a backup plan, you know. Yeah. And they I think they really wanted me to be the first like you know Euro to like you know have a college degree, you know. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Um, but I knew and I always just I just wanted to be in a band. Like that was the the thing, you know. And and my grand, my dad and my father were both musicians. They get it. But they also knew the pitfalls and how heartbreaking this industry is. So they didn't want that for me. They were like, if you can do anything else, please <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? do something else. Um, and so I went to college. I, you know, I, had, a, I had a scholarship, and, uh, and, I, and I went for three years. And on my last year, opportunity arose that I could go out and tour and, and, and chase a dream. And I just said, I'm sorry. I got I to do this. And it was heartbreaking for them. You know, and it broke my heart to like to let them down. Sure, but I knew that uh, I knew I just had to do it. Otherwise, I'm to I do able live myself. Yeah. yeah, you gotta. And and now that I'm older, now that I have three kids of my own. Like I get both sides. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean?
0: yeah. You want uh, the, you want them to go yeah, to college man. and to do you know exactly. I get it. And
3: I know how hard this shit is, man. Yeah. Like, this is an industry that you put everything you got. Everything, like your, your time, your money, your, your, your love, your, your, your sweat, your tears, and very, very, very rarely does it love you back at all, yeah. you know, but you do it because you have to do it. That's the only reason you do this and because it's like breathing, you know, uh, and I, and, and, and. I think my dad finally understood. He was like, Yeah, all right, you're one of us. Like real rep you know, real recognizes real. Yeah. And uh and he's like, you know, God help you. <laughs> you know kind of thing. Like you're like, you're one of us and uh I, I hope it works out, but uh I know that it's gonna be very rare that it will and and now though I think he's like you know, he's like, ah, good. You know, it You've worked out. you, for you. do Thank you're, God. you're, yeah, you'll yeah. Be okay, right? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and and so the second, you know, big plunge that I wanted to ask you about is the, uh, going into being uh, a lead singer for for a band, right? Yeah. I mean, that you know, that wasn't your your history before. So, right. what? Tell me about that decision and where that came from and and how you approached it when you decided to do it.
3: Well. That, that's another one that was like that that was never a decision really yeah. you know it was that was more of like oh i guess i'm here now you know i'd always been one to 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 start bands and 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 it's very rare that i say no to an opportunity that sounds really fun to me yeah. you know even if i don't have the time to do it i just i just say yes cuz like i want to do i want to do it you know yeah um and I try to find the time later <laughs> um, so I've i just always been in bands and um, even throughout my time like you know I, I did a, a band called Leathermouth because uh, you know I thought it was fantastic and they didn't have a singer and I was like well I'll give it a try uh, so I had tasted it there um, I guess even back way back in the day like you know I became the singer of like you know Pansy Prep and stuff like that because no one else wanted to do it and I was uh-huh. like well, we're not going to not have a band got to have
0: a yeah. lead singer right yeah, we're so, going to do it
3: so yeah. I'll do it yeah. and uh, and I never want it to be that like a frontman of anything. Yeah. You know, I, I, very much love being at the side of the stage playing guitar and, and that, you know, uh, you know, having collaborative effort and writing songs, but not being like the guy saying like, Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? For like, sure, yeah. that's not my thing, you know? Uh, but anyway, so, you know, when Mike Kim went away, um, and death spells went on hiatus because James had to go on tour. I started to just write songs cause that's just what I do. And, uh, and so nobody was there to sing, so I had to, Yeah. you know? And uh, my I swear to God, like, on my kids' like lives, I had no intention of starting, like, a solo career. It was like, I'll write these songs, I'll record them, I'll put them in a drawer, and that's it, you yeah. know? Um, but I ended up playing it for, you know, a couple of friends that asked me what I'd been up to, and they, they asked if they could play it for somebody else, and all of a sudden, like... You know, people offered me a record deal, and I went to my wife, and I was like, "I don't know what to do here." She's like, "Well, you gotta try, right? Take like, the deal, yeah. Give it a whirl. Yeah. And if you don't hate it, then stop." Yeah. And I haven't stopped, so I guess I like it. It sounds like you
0: do. Uh, you're doing all right. with it. So. It's all
3: right. Yeah, I love it. I, it's it's weird. It's weird, man. It's like it's one of those artistic outlets that I never thought I needed. You know, but but now that I've tasted it, it's like I like the idea of. Of crafting the song from start to finish and, and being the one that delivers it, you know. Yeah. And and I have no delusion that I am a great, like the greatest singer in the world. But I know that uh, the thing that comes out of my mouth is is directly tied to what's in my heart, you know. And uh, and there's a lot of soul there. There's a lot of emotion there. And 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 I uh, um, I know it's it's unique, you know. And uh, and you know, like sometimes, like you know. You listen to your voice on the, like an answering machine you're like ooh, you know yeah and but but it's real you know and that and that's that's the one thing that i can tell you is that you know it's yeah. never full of shit it might not be on key but it's definitely not full of shit <laughs>
0: for sure for sure and you mentioned being a, a dad you you have twin yeah. girls and a son yeah um and so the big question but what have you learned about fatherhood and oh, and how do you balance that with being on the road and, and everything
3: it's hard man i I will accept all of the, the credit, but I don't deserve it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
3: all my wife. She's unreal. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can do this without a, an amazing partner. Uh, she's just the most incredible mother and, and friend and wife that I could ever imagine. Uh, and and they are the coolest, most amazing little people. Like, yeah. And sometimes they're monsters, and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, I and know. They're just the greatest, man. It's it's unreal. Like they're coming into their own. Now. Like my my son just turned seven on the sixth. Mm-hmm. So like they flew out and they've been hanging out with me for a couple of days, and you know we went to like Legoland, Disneyland, and nice. just to see like okay. there's nothing like there's nothing like writing a song and hearing people sing it back to you. There's nothing like doing something and seeing your kids smile. Like, right. Just that pure joy that they have. And when they tell you that, like they love you and that, that you're their hero, like you just crumble. And nothing, it's nothing the compares. Greatest. Yeah, yeah. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, hands down. Yeah.
0: So um, two more things I want to go uh, yeah. hit before uh, you, know, you got a sound check. Um, the, uh, tell me about warp tour and oh, kind of yeah. your experiences uh, on warp tour. And I actually interviewed you guys back in like 05. Oh was, shit. Our oh, War- Warp. Yeah. In San
3: Francisco. Oh so. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Warped is crazy. Warped is <laughs> a young man's game. Like, the, the, yeah, like yeah. the actual tour is rough. It's grueling, right? It's grueling, like it's, but it's great. Yeah. One of the funnest tours I've ever done. But when I was like 20, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, showering out of a bag and, like, <laughs> drinking water out of a can. Can't do that now. Like, you can't yeah, do it. No, I'm too old. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got hit by a bus. I can't do that shit. <laughs> no, no, it changes everything.
0: Yeah. you said, yeah.
3: Uh, but it's, it's like, it's, it is punk rock summer camp. It really, really is, truly. Um, there's stories that, uh, you know, that I I think to myself and I chuckle about like you know different experiences that we've had bands that we gotten to see and play with uh first gun that was pulled on me was at was, was on a one oh, tour the first like, oh, yeah. the
0: first oh, the this first. is
3: you know memorable yeah you know, like different things that like you know like like wow that was a fucking experience man like it's it's amazing it really is and and it said to me that it doesn't happen anymore because i feel like uh you know you learned a lot on that tour. Yeah. You got to rub elbows with a lot of people and uh, seasoned musicians and stuff like that, and and that was that was a really great learning experience. You know, I, I definitely wouldn't trade those memories for anything. Uh, but as an older person now, yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad that it's not the tour. I'm glad it's these shows because I really do want to play. And I think that's that's fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, you get more of a chance to get out there and play and and game, yeah. you know, build you know strong relationships with individual bands, you know, as opposed to exactly. You know, and now
3: it's like you know, like the I see the bands on there. Like we, I was just uh, when we were in LA, Sergio Vega uh, came out. and We were like, oh, we're gonna be playing Warped Tour together. We we're like really excited because like you know, like Quicksand's playing too, and and well, I get to see Walter, and I get to see like all these bands that I know and love, and it's like it's gonna be like. Summer Day Camp,
0: yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I really enjoy. That's okay, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so the last part is, I mean, this, album, this uh, tour for Taking Back Sunday, yeah. they're playing Tell All Your Friends. Tell me about what that album means to you.
3: Oh, man. It's such a great record.
0: It's it's pivotal to my youth and yeah. kind of my taste in music, really. So getting to see them to play it beginning to end will be, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You
3: know what's crazy to me yeah. is that I remember, I don't remember the day it came up because I just feel like yeah. when it came out, it was just like they were there. Yeah, I mean, Uh, but I remember seeing them on those first tours and the audience being louder than the band, and it's still the same way. These people, the crowd is so much louder than anything that they're playing on stage. It's because, and they're pointing their fingers and sing along to every fucking word.
0: You'd say they're louder now ah yeah there you go
3: yeah it's <laughs> fun intended
0: <laughs> I, I sorry i couldn't let it no, no 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 that was good yeah
3: <laughs> i'm ashamed that i didn't think of it first. <laughs> it's okay that's why yeah. we're here
0: we're but good. it's true man like there
3: it's like that intensity is still there and there's yeah. a younger crowd as well but the older kids are still there doing it yeah man. it's and what a great fucking band what great songs and I love that, you know. Yes, it's it's wonderful to hear like the first couple of records, and, and those those words are, are embedded in me uh, as much as it is everybody in this crowd. Sure. But like the fact that this band still is writing like quality material that's transcended, you know, whatever like you know, quote unquote scene thing. Like they're just a fantastic band and a fantastic group of songwriters. Like that's rare, and I love that they they've done that for you know 20 years. Here's the 20 more. Fuck it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realize there was one other question I wanted to Go ask ahead. you, and it's about you've you've gotten tattoo while you're performing. I have not. Oh, okay. I thought no. that's what I heard in, in an I interview. I think that probably was a Frank Is Carter that, thing. Okay. <laughs>
3: that's okay. all right. Yeah. Okay. But no, I at I, a performance I, maybe. Maybe yeah. Like definitely in Mel, at Mel, shows. Melbourne or something. Where in Melbourne? Uh, yeah. uh, I, oh, oh.
0: Okay. You Let's know what? Say. At I a got...
3: tattoo shop. I did yeah. uh, an acoustic in-store at a tattoo shop, uh-huh. and uh, we played. And then, as I did Q and A, Q&A, uh, a young lady tattoo. Oh, me okay, that, okay. Yes, yeah, so I got a "Hey Jealousy" tattoo. I was pretty excited. Nice. about. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I really do like one of my favorite things to do is get tattooed and then play a show. Yeah, it's weird. Like um, something about that, like these endorphins kick in, mm-hmm. and like. You know, like that normal like butterfly thing doesn't happen, and you just feel like you can do anything. You feel like you're like invincible. It's really strange. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't have a lot of room anymore. You're so running
0: out of space. Yeah. Like I have very <laughs>
3: inopportune like areas uh, to to get tattooed, so I have to be more discerning about getting stuff.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, but there's still a few places that I, I want to get tattooed. Different artists that I want to get tattooed by. Uh, so I'm trying to chase them down. Yeah. Little by little.
0: Do you have a favorite tattoo? Uh, or just. They all have memories attached to uh, them? Have, yeah.
3: So, uh, you know, some of my favorite ones are the, like the shittiest ones that you just got with like a friend here and there or something yeah. you did on your bus, you know. But, uh, I mean, I have, you know, I have portraits of my grandfather and my grandmother's uh-huh. and stuff like that. Like, those are amazing. Uh, you know, my kids' initials and my wife's name. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's hard to narrow down one, but I, I definitely, you know, the, the, my favorite shop, I would say, is Smith Street in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, Bur Crack works out of there, and uh, nice. Eli, um, Frank Williams now works there too, and and Steve Bolts, and uh, they're, they're an unbelievable shop. Like no one in that shop is a slouch. Like it's crazy yeah. how what quality you get out of that shop. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: that's really cool, Frank. Thank you for oh, take, a taking the time man. today. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Have, have an awesome set tonight. Thank you. That was great romances of the 20th century from Taking Back Sundays set at the Warfield, really really fun show. Uh, had a great time, enjoyed hanging out with friends uh, and uh, seeing a couple of good bands uh, play, and uh, and getting to talk to talk to Frank Iero as well. I mean that was just such a you know a, a great you know conversation that I had with him.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Pixies and. Uh, uh, Weezer show at Golden One in uh, in Sacramento um, I'd never been to Golden One uh, Golden One Center it's an arena that was uh, built in the last like year or so um, and wait
1: what Golden One yeah that's not the same thing as Arco no, Arena. no
0: it uh, it's in a different place it's in like downtown Sacramento uh, and so Arco Arena is in a, a different area of Sacramento uh but yes this is where the kings play now the kings don't play
1: at what used to be called arco no no what are you serious wow yeah Yeah, i haven't been to sacramento in a while apparently
0: no it's been a minute so again this is a (laughs) fairly recent uh
1: (laughs) what uh what used to be do you know what used to be at the site where the
0: stadium is now they they took a grenade and they blew it up uh, (laughs) and and now they put in a McDonald's so no, Uh, there
1: you go that's one way to do it
0: (laughs) no I have no idea what they did with that but but this is this is a different part of town than uh and Ar- Arco, former Arco, and I mean they change the name so often, right? Power Balance Arena, whatever they change mm-hmm. it to. Yeah, yeah,
1: I don't even remember what the name was. No. But it's
0: Golden One uh, Arena now, and um, and so this is my first time seeing a show there, and uh, I was pretty impressed by uh, the mm-hmm. venue and the ease of getting you know parked and getting in. There, mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of people there uh, at the uh, for the first band. Uh, and, but then by the time the Pixies took the stage, um, it was, it was pretty full. So, mm-hmm. um, do you remember who the first band was? The first band was, uh, uh, I don't remember the band <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which well, is probably why there weren't a lot of people there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No.
1: Basement. It
0: was a, ba- it was a band called Basement.
1: Uh, Basement. All
0: right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Basement played. They were, they were okay and then the Pixies came on and I'd seen the Pixies once before uh, probably 13 years ago or so down in San Diego um, I went down to visit uh, my buddy Joe talked about him several times on the podcast already and uh, um, because he was living down there and we covered a, a music festival called Street Scene and this was like Pixies had just reunited at this point, and uh, and were playing Street Scene. A bunch of other play- bands like White Stripes and Black Eyed Peas and Flog Molly played. and We interviewed them. them at I that, remember yeah.
1: Street Scene. That used to be a big big deal in San Diego every year.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it was. I've never been. Is that? Do they still do that? I don't know. I haven't been back to San Diego since. So, so, <laughs> so pro- probably not. <clears throat> um, but uh, Pixies played after Flaming Lips, and Pixies put on a really good set. But they followed Flaming Lips, which was, mm-hmm. uh, which was a ch- you know a challenge to uphold the the level of energy. Okay, they couldn't uphold that level of energy that the, the Flaming Lips uh, brought you know with Wayne Coyne in his bubble and their cover uh, of Bohemian Rhapsody and wow you know, and everything they didn't you know I mean that's a headline yeah. act
1: right? That's but, tough. That's tough. But Pixies yeah, they already, should have been they should come up
0: last i guess huh yeah But pixies really have their following also i mean and uh, and their fans and so they they opened with uh you know, with their song cactus um they played a 21 song set it was a uh, it was cool um really mm-hmm. uh, you know i mean i enjoyed seeing them i'm not a huge pixies fan but it was uh, it was good to get to uh, see them live again mm-hmm. uh, um and so we should play a song from uh, pixies set uh and Uh, so the song that we're going to play is, um, where is my mind here? It is. (laughs) Love it. It was Where Is My Mind from the Pixies, from their set at the Golden One Center in Sacramento, which is not uh, exactly where the Arco Arena used to be, <laughs> in case you're wondering. I'm gonna go on Google Maps after this just to get Oregon. <laughs> you. Can, you can get the Land over there. Um, and, uh, and so Pixies, Fi- Pixies finished playing, they closed out with their song, uh, Gigantic, and then uh, Weezer came on next, right? And, um, and so I've seen Weezer uh, a handful of times, most recent time was actually they played the PGA uh, here in Napa, and uh-huh. um, and they uh, and I took the kids because it was a mile from my house, and it was, and so we could just walk over, and uh, and we were right up against the stage. I mean, really close, and then all shit went down, and uh, <laughs> and we made it just over one song into Weezer's set, uh, which. Which, wow. was, which was a bummer because uh, it was it was too loud for my son and there was this guy that was flipping the fuck out. Like he uh he I don't know if he was having a seizure or if he was belligerent drunk. I couldn't tell. But he was he had to be held down on the ground by like security and then oh taken out on like a medical stretcher. And Holy like shit, maybe it was OD. Uh, maybe I I don't know exactly, but it freaked my daughter out, right? And, I bet, yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, so they were just crying and begging to go, and I'm like, let me record one song first. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I got the one song, and then and then we left and walked home, and we were li- we were able to hear it, you know, most of the walk home, um, mm-hmm. you know, and but uh, but didn't get to oh, see their God. full set or anything, and so it was good to get mm-hmm. to see Weezer again, and especially this tour they put out two albums in the past year um mm-hmm. one was a covers album where they did a, a ton of covers and uh and then then uh, another album where they put out their new stuff and um and I wasn't super crazy about a lot of the new stuff and nor did I give it uh, a lot of time to uh to get into it really but um but the uh, the covers album was pretty good you know it had their uh-huh. their Africa cover a cover of
1: Toto's Africa. That is an amazing, an amazing cover.
0: I mean, it's not; it's exactly the same song as Toto did. But and that's what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love it when bands can come out and they they do a cover of a song, and it's so incredible, and it sounds absolutely nothing like the original. But yeah. it is, um, they they knock it out of the park, and it's amazing. You know, that's not what this was. <laughs> as you said, it sounded exactly like. Toto. I mean it sounded like their voice. I mean the it it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like how, how do how do people how are there people that have the exact same voice? It's it's nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so well, I I look for a cover to be um, uh, you know, uh, to pay tribute to the original, right? To res- pay respect to it, mm-hmm. but uh, but to bring something different to yeah, to the right. table. And and that cover didn't really do that, but everybody loves mm-hmm. that cover. Um mm-hmm except my girlfriend, Tracy. And, uh, and we'll get back to that later because there's more to that story, which, uh, which, uh, will segue well into, uh, the, uh, the next guest that we're going to have on the podcast next, uh, next week. So, um, so more to come on that.
1: Cause good. More to to come on that. Let me, let me just tell you, you need to, you need to thank me because last night I was going to have you listen to another incredible cover. Okay. This cover really brought it on. I mean, it sounded nothing like the original. The lyrics were the same. It sounded nothing like the original. And it it, it was it was Black Hole Sun. Uh huh. Song that you like. Okay. I'm assuming. Yeah. From an artist that you absolutely love.
0: Sure. Yeah. And uh, and so who who did the cover?
1: Soundgarden. Norah Jones.
0: When Norah Jones covered Soundgarden,
1: Black Hole. Yeah. Okay um and it was the, it, it was the worst fucking cover ever oh, it was it's like that huh why did you even bother this is horrible oh okay yeah horrible i mean the the first 15 20 seconds had so much potential but then it just freaking flopped yeah uh not fun okay it so was, it was painful to listen to so i spared i spared you well thank you for sparing entire me entire thing uh, so there you go. Anyway, continue. Yeah.
0: So we'll get back to Africa. End okay. of the show. Uh, but uh, but they you know they did a, a bunch of other covers. Also, uh, Rivers Cuomo, lead singer of Weezer, he came out on this little pirate ship into the cr- that that went around the crowd, and we went halfway through to the back of the venue in the pirate ship and playing uh, "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath. Um, and uh, and so that was that was pretty cool. And then he did a cover of. Um, I think it was Longview uh, by Gr- uh, Green Day mixed with a different song. I, I don't know. That that was really a lot of fun. Uh, but um, really good set overall. I I enjoyed it. Uh, I uh, I like the balance. I, I'm glad they didn't delve too much into the new stuff that that wasn't covers. And they played you know a lot of their hits, which uh, we're gonna play one of them now, which is Sweater Song, which is my first. Introduction into Weezer back in seventh grade. Um, I remember you know some kids I, was, I went to school with like singing that song and I wasn't cool enough to like um. Weezer or anything back then. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but undone sweater song was uh, my first uh, experience with Weezer. and so uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to play their version of that from, uh, from Golden One. Here it is. Let's hear it.) That was Undone Sweater Song by Weezer here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, we've gotten to the last segment here on Concert Pipeline. What is it?
1: Oh, uh, Last segment already? I feel like we just got started.
0: We didn't. It was like three hours ago we started, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude,
1: okay, yeah, music news.
0: You, you really need to bring more energy. I'm not gonna music allow that.
1: Music news, music news.
0: There it is. Okay. Uh,
1: yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Excited about this stuff. We got some great articles, so we're gonna we're gonna share with you guys. In traditional fashion, we'll start off with you. Okay. You can present the first one.
0: I think I think and, last time uh, we started with you, so I don't know if it's tradition as much as uh, it's a, a way we've done it in the past. Uh,
1: you've always gone first. Oh. Okay. There are a few times <laughs> where you've insisted I go first, but that's just to fuck with me.
0: Okay. Well, fair enough. We'll 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 do that. Um, and, uh, and we, uh, we just talked about Weezer, um, and their, their covers. And so the first story I wanted to start with is, um, a story about Weezer and, uh, they, they played Coachella. Um, and then they also played on, um, uh, they played on Jimmy Kimmel Live, I think just a couple of days after Coachella, they played Coachella Festival. And, the, uh, one of the songs that they cover is Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears mm. for Fears, right? Mm-hmm. and uh and so at their coachella performance uh they uh they played that song and brought tears for fears out to uh play that song with them
1: no shit
0: yeah yeah so they did oh, that oh how fun and they did that on jimmy kimmel as well um oh so my God. how awesome is that and if that weren't enough they do a cover of no scrubs uh by tlc And and during their Coachella set, uh, they featured a special performance, uh, a special appearance from TLC's Chili, yeah, who uh, helped the band perform
1: uh, that song. So uh, that 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 is amazing. I have not been to enough concerts where special guests appear like that. I know, I know. That's only happened once in my life, and it was mind blowing and fucking awesome. But you know, you keep on hearing. About it happening, you know, it and tours all over the world. You know, I was like, oh, why can't I be at more concerts like this? But that's
0: uh yeah we don't get as much that's of it in, right. the, in the bay area i'm sure they get do a lot of it down south in la and everything where everybody's located but um exactly i mean yeah. i've seen uh, santana show up at a couple of shows as a, a you know surprise guest sort of thing and play with like dave matthews um, oh that's but, nice but uh yeah i know we yeah. don't we definitely don't get enough of it up here um
1: yeah i was down in uh i think it was the rose bowl and uh, and um, it was U2, and uh, the opening band was. Um, uh, oh
0: my God! I okay, think we talked about this I on. A I think episode.
1: we even talked about this. Yeah, the opening band was.
0: Um, Good Will story. I
1: am? What the fuck? What? Uh, <laughs> Will uh, I am and Fergie? What oh, the hell is? Oh, that Black band? Eyed Peas. Black Eyed yeah. Oh my God! Thank you, Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. So they're they're jamming it. They're sounding fucking awesome and then Slash walks on stage. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Go. It's like, oh my god, that is so killer. I know. And he just they they rock out Sweet Child of Mine and it's amazing. Uh-oh. But Fergie got the fucking lyrics wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's ridiculous. Come on. Uh, it was totally ridiculous. But the guitar work was amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, that's
0: that's cool. Anyway. So, so uh so that's what Weezer did. Um, you know, and they do these covers on their uh Teal album. You can check that out if you want to check out their covers. So Um, That's my first story.
1: What do you got, Jens? Uh, Well, I got some more Coachella news.
0: You do? Okay, hit me.
1: Yeah, all right. So um, Ariana Grande, let's talk about her. Okay. Uh, So she brought the first weekend of the Coachella to a close, and she made sure to bring along some esteemed company. Do you have any ideas?
0: Oh, she had some...
1: esteemed company might be.
0: She had some special guests also, huh?
1: She did, yeah. This is a podcast of special guests apparently in our music news segment. Okay. Um, Who did she bring? So, she brought on... NSYNC, minus Justin
0: Timberlake <laughs> minus the one that everybody cares about. <laughs> I know.
1: Uh-huh. I had to say that right away. Justin Timberlake was not there, but the rest of NSYNC was there.
0: Okay, because they all weren't busy, right? So <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess yeah they had nothing to do. Justin was busy, you know. Yes, he is He's making famous. money and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is at home playing video games. I don't know what they're doing. But so the singer, you know, was on stage. The rest of NSYNC comes up. Um, and uh, it was, uh, you know, nice to be, uh, nice to be uh, quite surprised
0: there. Wow, okay. Uh, I wonder if they did any of their boy dance moves or what they what they brought to the table with uh, her. I mean, I don't know any of her stuff. I don't really know any of their stuff other than what my
1: sister used yeah. to listen to, right? right, so. yeah. It's like, okay, who do I know that used to listen to this music? I, I, can't, I seriously can't think of a single song. Uh, so she was playing Break Up With Your Girlfriend and Bored uh-huh. And then um they uh they showed up right after that.
0: Oh, okay. They they just stood on stage while she performed.
1: I don't know. I think they just kind of showed up. They were just like, Hello, we're here. Uh so let's see, Ariana says, I've been rehearsing my whole motherfucking life for this moment. Wow uh, before the band appeared.
0: <laughs> that's that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, so, so
1: they, they, they joined her and then they launched straight into an impressive rendition of their hit single, Tearing Up My Heart.
0: Okay, yes, uh, it looks like this. Oh, God. It's Ger- it's
1: oh, my God, I thought that was a drill.
0: Oh, oh, they are doing the dancing. Okay.
1: They are doing the dancing.
0: They're they're doing the they're doing the, yeah. Okay. Okay, that's yeah. a, that's about enough. They gotta think. gotta be doing the dancing because I was there. They're
1: right? The yeah. Dance
0: band. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, that's well that's something special good good work uh ariana grande she pulled she pulled out and it looks like she uh brought out uh diddy also p diddy so um, oh yeah sweet i mean it seems like there were a lot of special guests at uh um at uh coachella, coachella? there is yeah, a video the, there,
1: the more now that you say that i'm, I'm seeing here that Katy uh, perry showed up as well
0: Oh, nice, nice. It, 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 it looks like there's a video of Justin Timberlake reacting to Ariana and InSync at Coachella. So we're not going to talk about that here. Uh, though we're gonna we're gonna carry on. <laughs> That's well, enough. Wait, on that. did, he,
1: did he even know about it? He's like, what? Nobody told me about this shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it probably
0: didn't get to him because he was probably you know doing a stadium tour somewhere else, you know, uh, right. where uh, he was making a million dollars. So I'm sure he's okay, off oh, of exactly. guest, guest appearances. Yeah. So. Uh, so here's a here's a fun story, ends. Uh, mm-hmm. This is about R. Kelly.
1: Oh yay! Yeah. So here, When's
0: he gonna go away? So well, it looks like very soon because he's reportedly only has six hundred and twenty-five dollars to his name after legal battles.
1: Oh right on. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that fucking sucks. Okay.
0: So here's the breakdown. Uh, newly re- released court documents have revealed that R. Kelly only has six hundred twenty-five dollars to, to his name. Uh, He's currently on bail after being charged with 10 counts of aggravated sexual abuse in February. Uh, He pleaded not guilty to the charges and was released after posting his $100,000 bail. Uh, While it's thought that a close friend posted the bail, uh, his financial difficulties continue to run a lot deeper. Uh, He owes $160,000 in child support. Which was paid f- oh with God. the help of a friend. By the way, you got to be a really good friend to pony up 160 grand for a dude, right? Especially this scumbag, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. He was reportedly sued by the landlord of his Chicago studio after he, uh, he owed a staggering 200 thousand dollars in back rent. Um, the landlord won 173 thousand dollars, which led Kelly's creditor uh, to seize some of his various bank accounts. Uh, they also wow. issued subpoenas to Sony, uh, the American Society of Composers, authors and publishers, and Kelly's other bank accounts in an attempt to work out how to claw, the back, claw back the money. And um, as a direct result of the subpoenas, it said that his uh, account holds a balance of minus 13 at uh, one bank, $13. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's also claimed that uh, uh, some $150,000 in holdings are taken from his Bank of America account. Leaving just six hundred twenty-five dollars in the two accounts, the um, landlord still owed fifty grand, and Sony has been asked to cover the windfall, despite in cutting ties with him.
1: Uh, wow! Although, crazy.
0: although this is this is the good part for him. He reportedly made twenty-two grand uh, by appearing at a U.S. nightclub earlier this month. So, if I could make twenty-two grand in a night, you know, that'd be that'd be pretty <laughs> nice, right? So, um, yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: Jesus, can so, you imagine that? Wow, those numbers are just nuts.
0: Yeah, he's consistently denied any wrongdoing, so uh, he's holding strong on that. But not uh, in the financial department, and uh, um, yeah, they're taking him for everything. Uh, although,
1: so he's uh, just—he's gonna—I don't know what he's gonna do. He's gonna—you know—he's gonna have to tour or whatever until he. He's able to pay all
0: that off. I mean, all he can do is go out and pay shows, play shows for people who are willing to pony up some money for him, you know? so.
1: Right, yeah.
0: He, he just can, needs to believe he can fly, right? He's yeah, I believe I can
1: fly. Yeah. Okay, uh, you want to hear about Journey? I do. Hit me. Okay, I got a Journey story. So Journey, Bay Area Band, is launching a residency, of all things, this coming fall.
0: Ooh, next band on the residency train. Um, bringing yeah. in the bringing in the cash. Those exactly. Are, those are some money. Yeah,
1: it, right. Like they don't have enough money. So uh, journey. Uh, well, when you talk about residencies, obviously we're talking about Las Vegas, right? So of course. Um, this is what's happening. The band will host a nine. Not nine, like no. Nine. 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 <laughs> <laughs> nine. One, two, three, four, five, nine. Show series between October ninth uh, and twenty sixth at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, nine sounds like not enough. I, I know well, when you sounds think like it's just a small number.
0: When you think residency, I think you know I'm, they're moving in. I know there's shorter residencies, and it's not a tour. It, it's it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like a tour, it, but it doesn't feel like a you know a residency. It's something in between. It's a bunch of shows at a location.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. It seems like just an extended stay somewhere. You yeah. know, you'll have bands uh, that,
0: like Britney Spears, will stay Spears was there for City yeah. or
1: someplace for four days, Br- right? Yeah, Britney Before Spears, Spears played on, in
0: Vegas for a couple of years. Shares doing yeah. something for a long time. I mean, they're they're artists that they, you know that definitely have a lot longer contracts uh, in in one location and and just live there and keep playing shows for tourists that come and visit. But
1: um, right right exactly and I don't know I wouldn't call this a residency I think you're correct in in, in saying that this is more of a you know like they're moving in just trying it out yeah well they'll be (laughs) anyway uh, maybe nine is fine I mean after half of a journey concert I'd be bored anyway so
0: so it's it's somewhere between (laughs) a uh, a tour and a residency maybe it's a journey
1: oh I see what you did there yeah how about that huh all right uh, the constant search for Steve Perry. Right. Okay, uh, so the concerts will mark their first live shows of the year following an extensive 2018 trek with Def Leppard that played to more than one million fans of the continent.
0: Yes, one of them being me. On so. the continent, yes, one of
1: them being you while earning a total box office revenue of, whoa, almost... 100 million, so That's, 97.1 million.
0: That is some money, dude. Like, the, we talked about it before right, when I covered that yeah. show, but yeah. oof. I mean, or, or when you hit it in the music news, we've gotten those totals. Like, it's just like really? mind boggling, like, just how much money they're bringing in, to, you know, despite. Oh. They don't not having Steve Perry and not having a ton of hits. People love Journey. Like but they're I are don't not, know why. Why? They are not a I hit like, maker machine. You know, they're not for Foreigner has a million songs, right? Right. And and,
1: uh, and you feel like Journey does too, but no, they've got yeah. like three songs that are awesome. Yeah. And the rest of them forget it
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. But uh, but good for them. Hey, they're able to make something <laughs> something work, right? So Right.
1: No, yeah, well I'm gonna skip that.
0: All right, my next uh, story... Anyway, yeah, you're up. My next story ends, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, okay, so this is this is a story I sent you a couple weeks ago. I mean, it just, and I was like, this has music news written all over it. I was really excited to see this, this story. It's about yeah. uh, Billy Corgan. He was reunited with his lost love guitar that was stolen 27 years ago. Um,
1: 27 years ago?
0: Yeah, yes. And oh. uh, <laughs> so... Uh, After Smashing Pumpkins issued their fuzzy, trippy debut, Gish, a a thief stole Billy Corgan's favorite guitar. They had just finished a a gig at Detroit's St. Andrew's Hall in June of 1992. Uh, I was nine uh, when a friend who mm-hmm. was uh, acting as a roadie told him, somebody just walked out the back door with your guitar and uh, and he was like, how is that even possible? Where's security? You know, uh, And he filed a police report, offered a $10,000 no questions asked reward for its return, nothing. And so mm-hmm. for the past 27 years, he's heard rumors of the guitar resurfacing. Uh, he started to believe it uh you've heard so many times but it's uh like the lost treasure of blackbeard or something he said right oh. and so um so just the other week his fortunes changed and a, f- a friend of his contacted him with a picture of the guitar that looks like the stolen instrument he was still you know uh, unsure whether it was uh, actually it yeah, cuz he'd been tricked before and this is a long time ago right uh-huh. uh, and so um and so he, he wrote back and he uh, said it's a resurrection. And so, so here's what happened with the guitar, right? Um, he, let's see here. He know, knew it was his guitar because it had certain distinguishing marks beyond the psychedelic paint job he'd given it. Uh, he recognized the place where a previous owner had carved the initials KM into it. And remember the placement of some cigarette burns on the headstock that he always thought were unsightly. And those are things he'd never talked about in the press, so it would have been impossible for someone to copy, uh, copy him. And so, where was the guitar yens, you ask?
1: I would love to know how, where it was and how it was presented to
0: him. So this lady, Beth James, a mother of three who doesn't play guitar, lives in Flushing, Michigan, about 80 minutes northwest of Detroit. She spotted the guitar in a Detroit yard sale and put $200 down for it because she thought it would be a cool conversation piece in her basement.
1: Holy uh, shit!
0: yeah she thought it was paid And she obviously didn't
1: know what she had
0: she didn't she doesn't know anything about the guitar she told her husband she only paid a hundred dollars for it even though she <laughs> paid two two hundred uh because he would have killed her if he found it was uh, she paid more and it stayed there for the last 10 to 12 years oh my god the
1: whole time
0: her, yeah and her daughters never played the instrument resurfaced when she was looking for some things to sell uh she really wanted a hot tub and uh-huh. and her husband wouldn't buy her one. And so she said she was gonna sell some of the stuff and people said it was, you know, that this stuff was probably worth some money. Uh, so she's not a big Smashing Pumpkins fan, more into Rolling Stones, but she recognized a few of their songs when a girlfriend of hers helped connect the dots, of, you know, about the instrument, instrument where it came from. Uh, her friend recognized it from an article online and said, isn't this a guitar you have in your basement? And she was like freaking out and said, I don't know, you know? She tried sending <laughs> Billy Corgan a Facebook message Uh, about Uh six months ago, but didn't get through to him. Um, and uh-huh. this past December a friend's brother connected her to uh, a, the dude who founded sound royalties a company that offers royalty financing to artists in need of quick money and so and they were able to get a hold of him anyway uh, in, and uh, and he got in touch with the guitar and uh, and got his guitar back and he he Corgan says that it has special meaning to him because it changed the way he played the instrument uh, and, uh, the pumpkins drummer Jimmy Chamber Chamberlain had sold it to him in 1989 for like 225 bucks or 275 bucks and he never played a Stratocaster before uh and uh and it really defined their music really uh so wow. so he was super excited to get it back uh, and um you know and the the owner didn't even want any money for it she just she just gave it to him uh really but uh he i mean he came and you know and he met her and everything and uh and it was That's a cool awesome story. So,
1: what a cool story right can you imagine that i mean can yeah. you imagine like being in a situation like that you've got this instrument that had so much you know yeah, personal connection and had, to you. And not, yeah, you had so much. And, and it had it had so much to do with with your 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 you know uprising as a musician, and everything on and your talent and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, just one day, years later, there it is. I mean, I would be in my car, like road tripping. I want to meet this person. I want to see. Yeah, this. yeah. that's so cool, right? That's cool. Yeah, yeah that's cool.
0: You got one more story for us, Jens.
1: I do, and I'm really glad that you uh, picked the story for me, because you know I am a Game of Thrones fan.
0: I do, and you just watched the, pr- uh, the premiere that happened this past weekend, right?
1: I did, and I've been trying really hard uh, in the last couple of months just to try to catch up and watch the entire series all over again. How'd that, that work out for you? Long. Not very well. I'm about <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Were you out of your element when
0: coming into this episode, or did you did it fall into place pretty well?
1: Mm, I was disappointed I mean honestly I I looked at Twitter after the show and everybody was talking about you know how awesome it was and all these you know all this stuff and I was like really you know what I just I felt like so much of it was missing it was so disconnected you know like Daenerys had just lost a dragon and she and there's no reaction about how sad it is, you know, that she's lost one of her dragons yeah. and she should be depressed or pissed or something. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it just seems so disconnected. Um, anyway, you also, the second reason that you picked this article for me was because, you know, I can't pronounce can't. Ed Sheeran's name correctly. Uh, you, you
0: put a couple extra H's in there, but the first one was correct.
1: So, <laughs> Ed Sheeran. No. Sheeran.
0: No. Sheeran, there you go.
1: (laughs) Sheeran and Sheeran,
0: there you go. You getting it? You getting it? Seriously, that sounds so boring. Uh, Okay,
1: (laughs) and Sheeran, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so for those of you that are in the know, he was in Game of Thrones briefly, and um, lots of people loved the fact that he was in the show, other people hated it. I was one of the people. I hated it, um, not because I don't appreciate him as a musician. I think he's a great musician. I actually like his music. But the moment, I mean, he's so he's such a you know massive figure that once he appeared in the show, once you saw his face, once you heard his voice, uh-huh. you knew it was him. You, can, you right? can't
0: you can't put him in the Thrones universe and just like have, no, have him blend you, you in. No, you can't.
1: And... Right? I mean, had he been, had nobody known about him? If he had been yes. the same person and nobody had known about him, Edward he would have been an excellent character in the film. But, yeah. but, it's, but I mean, it's, it's like if you have the
0: show. It's like if you have the show and you know, and Michael Jackson you know wanders in and he's like, "Hee
1: hee, where are the kitties?" And uh, right, you know, exactly, and- <laughs> exactly. It takes you right out of the show, and it's like, oh my god, you know, where's that it's little king? Where's that and king? Fran is in there. I know. It, like, he fits the role. Yeah. He, you know, the music is t- totally appropriate. It works. But it takes you right out of the show. And you're just not in the, the, the universe any longer. And yeah. it ruins it.
0: Yeah. So, so speaking of not being in the universe any longer, what, tell us the story
1: that you got. Yeah. So, I, I mean, some people, I guess, there are people out there. I don't know why, but there are people out there that are wondering what happened to his character after that scene. On the edge of my seat. Right, you're on the edge of your seat. So he appeared as a Lannister, right? So he was in a group of Lannister soldiers, all pretty young, uh, and they were on their way off to go, I don't know, battle or something. Um, So Ed apparently never really thought he would return to do any other, uh, you know, any other um, cameos there. And apparently... This is what happened. Um, All right, so it's been confirmed that he won't be making a return uh, unless maybe it's in retrospect. Maybe, you know, if, like, Bran has a a flashback or something. um, They're going to have to work work hard to bring him back in. They're going to have to work really hard. They're going to be really creative, and they're going to have to work really hard to bring Ed's character back, right? But, no, I mean, you can kind of um, conceptualize him. His troop is having marched to to you know uh, marched on to meet other Lannister soldiers, uh-huh. and um, that was around the time where Daenerys showed up uh, with her dragons uh, and commanded them to pretty much roast everyone. So you can imagine Ed's character with his little instrument burned to a crisp somewhere sure. near a river in, in Westeros. He's
0: done for. We don't have to worry about him anymore.
1: He's gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He
0: can't get any more crispy. Okay. Well, that's, I think this story so, is pretty crispy, so
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's a pretty crispy story. Yeah. So in case any of you guys are wondering what was happening to this character, yeah, he's
0: dead. Okay. Well, Jens, I don't want to let you down. Um, I'll, we'll close on Dave Girl's story. We always close on, like, dead stories. Dave Grohl, thank you. You're welcome. Let's hear it. So... Like you know, I mean, Foo Fighters aren't doing a lot, but uh, Dave Grohl did have a recent live conversation, and uh, I want—I mean, this isn't a, a riveting Dave Grohl story, but I want—I don't want to let you down. So he uh, compared recording the first Foo Fighters album to an exorcism after Kurt Cobain's tragic death, <laughs> um, and so uh, what he said was the first Foo Fighters record wasn't supposed to be a record; it was kind of an experiment, or almost like an exorcism. Like I hadn't done anything after Kurt had died. And uh, finally, was like, I have to go record something. And so I went to a studio down the road from my house. I booked six days, which... Was for me an eternity, and just blasted out 14 songs where I played all the instruments, and I didn't want people to know it was me. So I thought I would wow. call it the Foo Fighters because it's plural. It sounds so stupid. Uh, I th- I thought people would think the Foo Fighters. Who are they? And I made a 100 cassettes and I handed it out to a bunch of people, and then a record company started calling saying, "Hey, we want to put out your record." And I was like, "What? That <laughs> tape I did? That's not even an album." And my lawyer called and said, "No, no, no, because I I paid for it. Six days in the studio." She. Said, said, here's what you should do, start your own label and you own this and you can license it to someone and they'll manufacture it or distribute it or whatever for a certain amount of time uh, and then you'll get it back. And I was like, okay.
1: Okay, what? I think you're going to have to tell that
0: story to me over again. In fact, I think I might have to listen to this podcast over again just so I can make sense of what you just said. Uh, we'll just play it again. Exactly what I just said. No, no. Uh, yeah, so it so was pretty okay. much, yeah. He uh, he wasn't even planning on, planning on Foo Fighters being a thing is what he's saying. He just did it because right. he needed. He needed to get it out. He needed, you know, the Nirvana wasn't there, and so he needed to do his own thing and just kind of create something and didn't plan on releasing it at all or anything. And then it became the first Foo Fighters record. So, um, wow, well, so look at that. Good
1: for him. That's really cool. Yes. So, that so is he our, doesn't. So are you saying that he wasn't really? It wasn't his objective to start a new band. No,
0: he just went out and did this. Not at first, and then uh, his label uh, started. I mean, his uh, his people started talking to him and telling him to start his own label and you know and distribute it. And so then uh, wow. that's kind of how the Foo Fighters that's started. Cool. So um, pretty exciting stuff. Mm. Um, yeah so so let's talk about what we have uh going on in the coming weeks for concert pipeline because we have some exciting stuff okay um so someone i worked with yeah uh, uh yeah and someone yesterday we are getting back to africa here someone had put uh this video in chat Uh, A link to this video, uh, this cover of Africa that is really, really great, and so I watched it. Right, and in the description, like I mean, uh, I don't know how they connect it or how they know where I am or whatever, but it said like the uh, the the performers tour dates, and it's like uh, and that he's going to be in Lodi, which is an hour and a half from me um this weekend this coming weekend and and this uh-huh. and this cover is really good and like i said my girlfriend infamously hates the, uh, the song africa <laughs> uh, to the point where uh it's just a thing now and uh and i had for christmas gotten her a t-shirt of you know africa and the lyrics to the toto song in on the t-shirt in uh in the country of africa right and, uh, and I made a canvas print of this art that my daughter had made that f- looks vaguely like Africa, you know, for her. And so it's this whole thing that's going on, uh, you know, because she hates it so much. Um, just because everybody's so excited about it. And, um, and also the lyrics don't make a lot of sense. You know, if you break down the lyrics, we don't have to get into that. But... But this artist, you know, um, I'm doing a little looking into this, and t- this artist, his name is Mike M- uh, Messe and um, he's from Colorado. And Toto had said that this is their favorite cover of their song Africa, that he he is the one that he did. Um, yeah, this is this is the
1: one that you shared with me, right? Yeah, they sound exactly like. It's
0: it sounds Toto. Gr- it sounds great, right? And
1: right. Um, and and so. Um, like this should be Toto you can't right. tell.
0: yeah, and he played in a little pizza shop that he played it's been playing since 93 and this cover came out back in 2012 or so, you know so it has like 12 million views on YouTube now um
1: wow. And... I hear
2: drums tonight she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. Coming in, 12.30 flight. That
0: winds reflect the stars that guide me toward okay, so we don't. We, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, you know, thing or anything. Go check it out, Mike Massey, M-A-S-S-E, M-A-S-S-S-E, with the little, little tilde line thing over it. Uh, you know, um, Africa. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, really great version of, uh, of the song. And so I, you know, and the the farther I dug, you know. Like he has so many covers. He does. I mean, he's done so many covers, and he does them so well. And each co- you know, each video has, you know, m- you know, in, in most cases, yeah, over a million views. And uh, and he's just such a great cover artist. Um, I mean, pays such great tribute to these artists. That uh, you know, I'm like, there's a story here, right? And it's right. A, and it's a great coincidence that he's going to be not too far away from me this weekend. So I reached out. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to uh, interview him this weekend. Um, I'm going to have him on the show next week. and So you're interviewing him on
1: Saturday or Sunday yep, or what?
0: Saturday. Um, Oh,
1: I'm yeah. so jealous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would love to to, to to meet this guy and go to one of his if, shows. If it were Sunday, I'd covers. say you
0: should – yeah, if it were Sunday, I would say you should come. Let's do this, right? But um, but I know you work on Saturday, so – I
1: think I think I might be throwing up late Friday night and calling in sick, <laughs> sick on Sunday, Saturday. Hey, you're welcome to join. joining you in Lodi. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I was going to say it's absolutely worth listening to this song, guys. I mean yeah. – he sounds like the band but he hasn't even gotten to the high notes yet right and yeah. he is still spot on it's incredible yeah What well, this guy can do
0: yeah it's really He's great and so, couple, so yeah. yeah so we'll bring you know some of that um you know i might see if he'll play a couple songs for the podcast i don't know we'll see what we get but um yeah. you know we'll at least cover the concert as well but uh but yeah so looking forward to that and then as if that's you know not enough. I mean, uh, a couple of days later, in the next episode, we're gonna have a band called Main Man, uh, on, and that is uh, we've we've had this one a little bit. Um, that is Christopher Mintz Plasse. He's uh, the actor. Uh, he was in uh, he was McLovin in Superbad, and he was in he was in the movie Kick Ass and Kick Ass Two. He's in all the tra- How to Train Your Dragon stuff uh, that's uh-huh. uh, that's out there. Uh, so. He's uh, he's got a band called Maiden Man and he's the bassist in it and um, gonna be interviewing him and his band um, at uh, the Cathedral. Oh, by the way, uh, so uh, the Lodi show for um, uh, the Lodi show for Mike Massey is at. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, Oak Farm Vineyards. He's playing Friday and Saturday. Oak Farm Vineyards in Lodi, and then uh, the, sh- uh, the show. Main Man is opening for Ben Queller at the Chapel in San Francisco um, Wednesday the 24th. So tickets available for all of those shows. Um, you can check them out. Uh, really recommend getting out to them. And Ben Queller is an artist that I really respect. And um, and so I'm looking forward to that, um, that performance as well. And maybe we'll bring you a song from Ben Queller as, uh, also um, in that episode. So we got some good stuff coming up, Jens.
1: That's exciting, man. Can't yes. wait for it.
0: Epic episode today, really long one, but, uh, but good content. So thanks again to uh, Frank Airo for being on the podcast and to the Pixies for letting us cover their show with the Weezer. Uh, Take Back Sunday, congrats on your 20th anniversary of Tell All Your Friends. Mm-hmm. Really great content. Uh, so for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schippel. Uh, that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time.